You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Be'ezras Hashem, we're going to be concluding our series of shirim on the Eser Sviros, which in fact was 12 series of shirim because we discussed two hakdamos to the fundamental understanding of the Sviros and their relationship with Ein Sofiyut or HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'chvodu And tonight we're going to be finishing off or culminating with the Sira of Malchus. And Malchus's association, in terms of the title for this year, is going to be Manifestation. Now, when it comes to Malchus, when it comes to discussing the final Sphira, it's equally important that we both hold, on the one hand, all of the previous nine Sphiros that preceded Malchus, and at the same point, almost paradoxically and simultaneously, we have to hold on to the concept of Malchus, not simply as the culmination of a process that began with Keser and ended in Yesod, but we have to see Malchus as the end result, which contains the entire purpose of the, all of the Sphiros together. That Malchus ties the entire order of creation together. Without Malchus, if a person, heaven forbid, were to think about the Sphiros, in terms of the emanative emotions, the masculine expressions that start with keser, that start with the desire that is rooted in the deep sense of pleasure that abides within existing, and then descends to the right brain of Chachma, which is the ability to behold concept in its fullness, then towards the left brain of Brina, which is the disintegration of that unified whole for the sake of understanding it in its particular parts through the left brain of Bina, then through the embodiment of knowledge into emotional livedness, which is Das, and the right arm of expressivity and moving outwards from the self, willing to connect to that which is outside of me through Chesed, and the constriction of the left arm of Gvura, which comes to mitigate that loving kindness of water, with the fiery passion that says, Adkan Tavo, don't move beyond here. And to the point where these Shneik Suvim Hamachishim Zed, these two statements, these two postulations of Chesed and Gevura, which seem to contradict one another, they find their synthesis, which exceeds their potency in the Midah of Teferes, which is the aesthetic beauty of paradoxical items coming into unison, creating an image that is greater than the sum total of its parts. And then we move to the lower triad of the spheros, which is going to be Netzach and Hod, this drive for power, this victorious impulse within the self that seeks to overcome any impediments which stand in its way. And the Hod, which says, be, be grateful, recognize that your efforts come from someplace beyond yourself. Recognize that all that you have been capable of being over, all of your victorious grandeur, which is representative of the human quest for power, 
is in truth rooted in a power beyond the self. And that in truth, that power emerges specifically out of a sense of powerlessness of Hod. And then finally, to the beginning of the culmination in Yesod, which is the collection of all the potencies of the spheros together, ready to be expressed to something outside of the self, that all of those processes from Kesar down to Yesod are in truth meaningless if we don't understand fully the purpose of Malchus. The Tikkune Zohar and the Zohar itself in discussing two modes of heresy that are referred to in Maseches Chagiga and referred to throughout Safrus Chazal, of kotzeitz benetiot, so that somebody who cuts the cords, or kofer be'ikr, somebody who denies the essential nature or the fundamentals of things, identifies these two modes of heresy, and the Leshem Shubhav has an arichus on this, in the sixth gate in, Shar, in Sefer HaKadosh, HaKdamus Usha'arim, in the sixth Shar, the Leshem Shubhav speaks this out explicitly with regards to the difference between Dor HaMabul and Dor HaFlaga, which has its coordinates in the writings of Rav Tzadak HaKohin Lublin as well. That Kotzeitz Benetios is when a person denies the reality of that which is above them. We deny the existence of Keser all the way down to Yesod. We deny the fact that the process of expression, the process of manifestation, is rooted in something beyond this world. And kofar be'ikr is when a person denies malchus. Kofar be'ikr is when a person says all that exists is the upper spheros. All that exists is this transcendental ideal of spirituality in its purity, removed from the realistic confines of this world. All that exists is keser through yesod. But malchus, this worldliness, doesn't exist. That is what the Tikkun Ezor refers to as kofar be'ikr somebody who is denying the essence, somebody who is denying the main point of the entire purpose of creation. Because when it comes to Malchus, when it comes to understanding the royalty or the kingship that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has over this world and all of creation, we have to understand that it is both nothing, it has no essential qualities to itself, it has no identifying factors other than that which is placed within it, Yet at the same point, without this mida, without this malchus, the entire order is meaningless. Everything that we've discussed until now is nothing. Because the idea of malchus, the concept of malchus, is how the inside of a person, how the panemius of something, can finally be disclosed and revealed externally, so that it can be utilized for the benefit of others. The Mida of Malchus is the Mida of manifestation. When the process that originated within the undying desire of a person, and finally through all of the iterations of the self, finally emerges at the cusp of being, when it's ready to be expressed externally in the Mida of Yesod, Malchus is the capacity for all of that burgeoning potential within the self to finally be expressed externally. Malchus is that external capacity that otherness, the world itself, the receptacle, that which is prepared to receive what I can express. It is the feminine principle, but it is not feminine in the sense of gender balance. It is feminine in the sense that it is receptive. It is not an active principle. It is not trying to mark out its territory like the masculine yesod, which seeks to conquer and express and assert itself. But malchus is the preparedness to be. It's the preparedness to receive the influx of the self in any situation in which we find ourselves. 
It is my ability to encounter the world, to be mitmoded with the world, to experience that which is outside of me beyond my self-sustained subjectivity. It is my capacity to encounter, to experience things that exist beyond me. It is how I imprint myself upon the outside world. Malchus is this ability to express myself in a way that will have some actual meaning. That my expressivity, that which I contain within myself, all of the nine spheros which precede Malchus, will finally now find expression and in a receptacle that is prepared to receive that expression. Now, in order to properly understand the Midah of Malchus, we're going to have to return to the same hermeneutical twist which we've been using all along. That the spheros themselves, at least in this series of Shirim, which is basically a psychological blueprint of the soul, we have to understand how our human experiences are but metaphors or analogies for the divine process of emanation from within infinitude into limitation. That the human experience of emotions, like we saw in the name of the Shlach Kadosh in the second shir that we gave, that when we talk about Chachma or Bino or the right arm or the left arm, with regards to human experience, we are not talking about the essential content, but rather we are always already talking about a metaphoricity that is coming to disclose an essence that is beyond our ability to describe. That my right arm is not the essential right arm, but rather the fact that I have a right arm is a metaphor for me to understand the right arm of God, so to speak. That the typical way of softening the difficulty of anthropomorphism is that human beings exist, we have a head and we have an arm and we have a body and we have legs and we have experiences, and we utilize these terms to describe God, so to speak, because we have no language otherwise. The Shlaha Kadosh comes along, and this is the fundamental foundation of the Shirim, and describes that, in truth, the inverse is true. That the essential quality of a head or an arm or a body or a leg, of expressivity and containment and refusal and expression, those are divine qualities. That the true essential concept of a head, not in any body, not in any type of anatomical form, God forbid, but rather as a pure abstract concept, that is a spiritual concept. My head, my arm, my body, those are simply shadows. Those are simply metaphors that are coming to describe this essence of a head that exists in some primordial spiritual form. So that if I want to understand properly what the human experience of the spheros are, from within my body itself, from within my own limitation, my own lack, like the Ishbetzer Tzadikim described, I can come and behold the true essence of godliness. That if we want to properly understand the Midah of Malchus as it exists within the human being, we have to understand the Midah of Malchus as it exists vis-a-vis God, so to speak, vis-a-vis HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the way that Sadiqim, the way the writings discuss the Midah of Malchus is different than any other of the Midos. Because when it comes to the previous nine spheros in relation to God, so to speak, the expressivity of God, God's ability and desire, unfathomable desire to disclose himself from within his privation and infinitude to manifest within limitation for the sake of disclosing a deeper level of unity that would hitherto be impossible without limitation. 
when we speak about the first nine spheros, there's really no room for human beings' knowledge to grab hold because we're still discussing the transcendent aspects of God, so to speak. It's only in Malchus, it's only the Malchus de Ein Sof, the kingship of the infinite, so to speak, as the Arizal describes in the 42nd chapter of Eitz Chaim Kadisha, that it's only when God, so to speak, decides or originates within his mind, Kavyachol, to create otherness, ki ein melech below am, because there is no kingship without secondary receptacles to receive that kingship. That God, so to speak, in order to fully disclose himself, needs otherness, needs separateness, needs differentiation, needs creations other than God itself, so that God can disclose its goodness. That Malchus is this decision that Kadsalik Alma, that as it originated within the infinite desire, the unfathomable desire of God to create a world other than infinitude, is for the sole purpose of disclosing the potency and the power of infinity within limited vessels which are prepared to receive that kingship. That without the populace, without the people admitting and praising the kingship, the kingship is meaningless. It's a destitute king. It's a melech evyon, which rules over its creations with force and power and compulsion. God, so to speak, desired that his recipients of his goodness, that those receptacles that are prepared to receive the influx of spirituality and divinity and meaning that descends from on high to below, receive it through will. Malchuso beratzon kiblu aleihem. That the beings that exist in this world, us, in all of our fallenness, in all of our brokenness, with all of the vicissitudes of what it means to be a human being, we are the malchus of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kavyachol. We are the otherness, we are the realm of separateness which stands at the ready to receive and recognize and testify to the fact that God, so to speak, is disclosing his unity into a world of difference. That without Malchus, the entire inner process, the autogenesis of divinity, Kavyachol, the movement, the Sha'ashua Mineyubei, that inherent desire, that back and forth movement that implies a certain burgeoning strength of potential as it stands at the ready to be disclosed into some form of actuality. Without Malchus, that inner intensity, that movement, that Sha'ashua Minei Bay vis-a-vis the infinite would be meaningless, Kavyachol. It wouldn't have a place to be chal. There would no, be no place for God's power or intensity or desire or plan for reality to unfold. It's only in Malchus, it's only in the outside, that which is separate than the expression, which stands at the ready to receive. In our own psychologically lived states, Malchus is our ability to express ourselves to the outside. We are no longer stuck within the potencies of the self, We are no longer contained within that self-sufficiency of my own mind, where solipsistically speaking, I can have my desires and my wisdom and my understanding and my kindness and my severity and my beauty and my endurance and my victory and my sublimity and my recognition and gratitude and my expressivity, which exists 
self-contained in a purified form. But at this point of Malchus, I am already at the point where I am sharing my experience, where I am disclosing myself into that which is outside of me. Each person has their own Malchus, just as God, so to speak, has a Malchus, which is creation, wherein God discloses his desire for creation. So too, each and every one of us have our own playing field, have our own realm of experience, which is a matrix or a meeting point of time, space, and personality of Olam, Shana, and Nefesh. Each of us have our own field of being. Each of us have our own world. Like Rabbi Nachman teaches us in the fifth teaching of Lukutim Maharan, based on statements in Chazal, especially an emphasis in the Zohar that preceded him, which is in fact the basic sense that each human being exists in a world unto themselves, and that each human being is a world and a universe unto themselves. And therefore, just as I am the entirety of the world, so too it is my responsibility to ensure that the world fixes itself and to recognize and to seek out the lack and the destitute places within the world to fix. Each and every person has their own malchus. Each and every person has their space where it is their job to be mashpia, to share. For one person, it's going to be a coworker. For another person, it's going to be a spouse. For another person, it's going to be a child. Each and every person, according to their microsystems and according to their macrosystems of the influence that they are capable of imprinting upon the world, has their own malchus, has their own space of expression. That the malchus of a person, the playing field wherein a person can finally disclose themselves, whether it be through interpersonal relationships or whether it be through activities that engage in the world outside of my interpersonal realm, the malchus of my own is my ability to express myself and to find a foothold or a standing within the eyes of other people, within the ears of other people, or within the heart of other people. And Rabbi Nachman warns us in numerous teachings that a person must be very careful not to deny their own malchus, not to be kofar in their particular malchus. And these words of Rabbi Nachman, which have so often been quite literally a saving grace in my own experiences. The words of Rabbi Nachman, which states that a person must be very careful not to deny their own malchus, that a person must be careful not to negate or kvetch about their own space of expression or influence, means that each person, no matter where they find themselves in the world, no matter where they find themselves in their own lives, no matter where they find themselves in their own experience, must be capable of saying in the moment that they are present in that the experience that I am engaging in right now is exactly what I need to be doing. The person that I am talking to is not secondary, is not bidiyeved, but rather is a lichatchila. And quite literally, this postmodern phenomenon of FOMO this fear of missing out, this abiding anxiety that each human being lives with, which basically says to the self, I am missing something. I am not in the proper place. The person I am talking to right now is not the person I should truly be talking to. The audience that I have right now is not the audience that I feel I deserve or that I want. Each and every person with their own dimyonos of what their malchus should actually be, Rabbi Nachman warns us in the name of Tzadikim who preceded him, the Baal Shem Tavakadosh, the Arizal, Rashbi, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Moshe Rabbeinu, that we are warned and there is an interdiction against denying our own malchus, 
that a person who is kofar in their own malchus, a person who feels that the people that I am talking to right now, the space in which I can influence, the space in which I can disclose myself is not matimli, is not appropriate for me, it's not lefichvodi, it's not appropriate according to the honor that in the speculations of our own minds we feel we deserve. We are falling into the, the heresy of koifer be'ikr. A person must accept willfully with their mind and with their heart and with their self their own particular malchus, our own space of influence, whether it be a young child, whether it be a client or a friend or a companion. And Rabbi Nachman is very quick to assert that being a receptacle, being prepared to receive teachings is almost as important as it is to be able to convey teachings. That just as we on our individual levels are a malchus, are a receptacle, are the space where somebody else can express themselves, clape those who are our teachers and our friends and the people we're willing to receive from, so too each of us are a mashpia. That when I'm being mashpia, when a person has the capacity of giving over to somebody else, so they are then in the role of expressivity and conveying messages beyond themselves. But when I'm receiving from somebody else or when I'm in conversation with somebody else, at that point, I am in the role of malchus. That just as I can't deny my own malchus, I have to be prepared to also receive the malchus of somebody else, to be prepared to listen to somebody else, to recognize that our role very often is not to convey or impress upon somebody, but rather to receive and hear somebody that each and every person in their own particular moments of lives on a day-to-day -day basis plays the role of the upper nine spheros from Kesser down to Yesod, which are expressivity and conveying messages and trying to assert ourselves and that masculine impulse which seeks to take potential and manifest it in some actualized way. And at other moments, and sometimes it's simultaneous, we are malchus. Our job is to receive and to hear and be silent. And for the purpose of this year, we're going to focus on particular aspects of Malchus, particular aspects that define this definitionless Midah. Because when the Zohar HaKadosh talks about Malchus, which is quite literally the sum total, the summation of our inner experience as it burgeons and expresses itself externally to ourselves, the Zohar refers to Malchus as Amida de Leisle Megarmeklum. It is a midah that has nothing of its own. It has no identifiable traits. There is nothing about the midah of Malchus which differentiates it from anything else. Unlike the upper nine spheros, which each sphera had its own particular form of expressivity, whether it was desire and pleasure or wisdom and understanding or knowledge or loving kindness or severity or beauty and grandeur, or endurance and gratitude or expressivity, when it comes to Malchus, there's no particular trait which defines it because Malchus is quite literally nothing. Malchus is destitution in and of itself. It's an empty space that stands at the ready to receive that which is being imprinted upon it. But this mida, this characteristic, this humility which is demanded in order to be prepared to receive that which is coming into me that which is emerging into my experience demands a deep level of bittal. 
It demands a deep level of self-nullification wherein the person is finally capable of saying, I have done my part of expressing myself. I have done my part of trying to identify the particular words or linguistic expressions or influences that I'm trying to convey. At the point of Malchus, it's the realization that what is, is. There is no ability to change what is present at the moment of Malchus. At the moment of manifestation, the individual needs to nullify all of their self-imposed ideals of what I'm trying to say, or what I'm trying to convey, or what I'm trying to look like, or what I'm trying to be. Because at the point of Malchus, it's the point of actualization and manifestation. At that point, I must prepare myself to be. I must prepare myself, like Benji Epstein writes so much in Living in the Presence, I must prepare myself to be present in that moment. I must prepare myself to recognize that all of the efforts that preceded this moment are no longer reasonable, but at this moment, I am here now. The way I, I experience this moment is the way it is, and there's nothing to change about it. It's lace lemagram It has nothing but what is being expressed in it. Now, this mida of malchus, this ability to express myself in a world other than my internal reality, beyond the psychologically lived world that I live in, to create my desires and my emotions and my thoughts and my experiences and my demyonos, there's a dangerous descent out of the self into the externalities of the world. Malchus is very often referred to as the midbar, as the, de as the desert, as a space devoid of spiritual potency, as a space devoid of that kedusha, that inner intensity of emotionality and desire and will and all of the inner spheros. Malchus is already the point of destitution. It's impoverished. It has nothing of itself. It is prepared to receive that which is present in front of it. And it's specifically here in this place of impoverishment. It's specifically here in this realization that I have reached the limit of myself. I have reached the limit of my ability to change or regulate that which I'm trying to express. And what I am is what I am. And what I have within me is what is being expressed right now. At this point, it is a tefillah li'ani. It is the tefillah of the impoverished individual. The impoverished individual recognizes that they have nothing other than what they are. They are a receptacle. They are prepared to receive that which is being placed in their hands. But to assert myself is not a possibility. At this point, I have finally experienced world in its destitution. And there's nothing I can change in my malchus. The only object of my desire at this point is to accept and receive that which has manifested. To accept and be present in that which I am at this moment. David HaMelech, David Malka Meshicha. He is the paradigm of malchus. David in all of his failures in all of his circuitous processes through which he tried to assert his personality in the world, David HaMelech was able to recognize that tefillah li'ani kiyatov, that the tefillah of the impoverished individual who comes and wraps himself up in his own prayer shawl, who has nothing but the possessions on his back, who has nothing but his own walking stick, no identifiable marks of subjectivity other than the mere and bare fact of existence the minimal form of what it means to be a human being. 
David HaMelech is the individual who comes to teach us that even in this destitute plane, even at this point where we have lost control over what we're trying to convey and we exist within the realm of what we have already conveyed, David Malka Mashiach, David HaMelech comes and teaches us that it's specifically here. It's specifically at this place of destitution, in this place of this point of having nothing of itself, that we are capable of truly asserting ourselves. Because quite the opposite of what we expect, it is not in the assertion of the self that we find our true personalities, but it is rather within the withholding of the self and our capacity to face that which is present in front of us. Our own particular form, our own symptom of being mitmoded with the world, how each and every one of us in our own particular stamps of our own particular malchus engage the world in our own particular form which is differentiated from every other person. My malchus, my receptacle, which is prepared to receive the influx of Hashem's plan in the world, is different and unique amongst the entirety of the universe. From the beginning to the end, each and every person has their own particular malchus, their own particular way of recognizing of tefillah ki ani la'ani ki ya'atov. That at the end of the day, I am impoverished and I have nothing to offer but myself. The Ani Tefillah, David Amelech says, I am prayer. The concept of I say prayers, or I think prayers, or I have a desire for a particular form of prayer, or I have a loving kindness to express prayer, all of that is associated with the previous nine spheros. At the tenth sphero, David Amelech is finally ready to say, Ani Tefillah, I am prayer. My entire being is prayer. There is nothing outside of prayer. Tefillah, which is so deeply associated with Malchus, as opposed to Torah learning, which is associated with the previous nine spheros, as identified in the central Midah of Teferes, or Kud Shebarichu, as we're going to see. Torah is based on the sense that the person has of fullness, as Rav Tzadok says. I have an idea, and that idea needs to be conveyed. That means that I stand for something, or that I have some content within me. Tefillah, on the other hand, prayer, davening, beseeching God, moving out of myself, nullifying myself, that is the midah of Malchus. Chazal tell us that Torah is chaye oilam. Torah is this concept that I can live forever. It's my unwillingness to confront my mortality. It's my unwillingness to admit to the fact that I will die someday and the things that I say and the things that I share will die along with me. And each and every one of us has that own pain within our own hearts. So Torah is our ability to try and overcome mortality, to try and find nitzchiyus through our Torah, through our teachings. That's kudshibarichu, that's that transcendent aspect of godliness that remains above and beyond removed from this worldliness. The idealism of what it means to believe in God prior to the disintegration of what it means to live in this world. But there's another aspect which is recognized as malchus, which is shchinte, the shchina, the present of godliness within this world, no longer operating according to the ideal parameters of what we think God might mean, but rather the willingness to embrace the concept of godliness in this worldliness with all of its suffering, with all of its symptoms, with all of its destruction. It's specifically here where we transition from a sense of Torah, which is predicated on the fullness of concepts of self, to tefillah, which is predicated on the destitution of the self on the essential lack of the self, 
on the realization that each of us in our own beings represents another point of destitution of a receptacle which is standing at the ready, beseeching a power greater than itself to give us something because we have nothing of our own. This is what David HaMelech meant when he said that va'anit fila, I am not praying, I am prayer. My entire essence is a beseeching that emerges out of the lack of myself. Rav Tzadak HaKohen Milublin, like we said, that Torah is predicated on fullness and tefillah is predicated on lack. This is already an idea that proceeds all the way back to the Maharal based on the Rishonim, in particular the Sefer HaRikarim from Rav Albo, where when questioning the concept of prayer, when questioning the validity or the efficacy of prayer with regards to an infinite God who is unchanging, so to speak, the question is, what purpose does pray, prayer play? And in the Sivha Avoida, in the path of worship, in the path of prayer, the Maharal writes that the entire purpose of prayer centers around the basic formulation that the human being must recognize their dependency. That prayer is simply there to remind us that without God, without a higher power than ourselves, without the upper nine spheros, without Torah, without Kut without all of the synonyms that the Mikubalim and the Tzaddikim have applied to the upper nine spheros, we are quite literally nothing Sheba nothing. We are Afar Ve'efer, we are Ayin, we are nullified. That without Hashem disclosing the influx of Shefa and Bracha, and, and koyach into ourselves at every moment, we stand in utter destitution in front of the Lord. We stand in utter brokenness with our own particular form of lack. At that point, prayer emanates from within the self. Prayer is predicated on the realization that without my higher power, I am nothing. Without a Kaddish Baruch Hu guiding me at every single moment, I am nothing. In spite of all of my confusion and my demyonos and my imaginations and my ruminations, that I am something of myself beyond God, that I, ani hagever, Malchus comes along and says, va'ani tefillah, everything I am is tefillah. Everything I am is the simple recognition of my pure destitution, which allows for the light of God to emerge into the world. Because as long as the ego is in its strength, as long as I still think I'm in charge of my desires of Kesser, or my wisdom of Chachma, or my understanding of Bina, or my knowledge of Das, or my loving kindness of Chesed, or my severity of Gevura, or my aesthetic sense of Tiferes, or my endurance and victory of Netzach, or the gratitude and sublimation of Hod, and the expressivity and the connection of Yesod, as long as I think that I am in charge of any of those Midos, that I am still living stuck in the self-worship that Avodazara of Aniha Gever. I am the individual who is filled with potential. Only at the crossroads of Malchus, as we emerge into the outside world, are we capable of recognizing that Lesle Megameklum, that each and every one of us have nothing of our own. Nothing of our own. This is what it means to relate to the Shechina. The Shechina is Hashem's presence in the world. It's our willingness and our ability to connect to God as he exists, as it exists within this worldliness. That specifically in this world, in the Dira HaTachtoinim, it's the Mida of Malchus, as certain Mechabrim in our generation, Rav Moshe Shatz and Rav Yisrael Wilk, and Avino, Rav Avinoam Frankel in his writings on the Nefesh HaChayim and his future writings as well, and Rav Morgenstern Shlita, 
tzaddikim have shown us already that all tzimtzum, all ability for Hashem to transition from infinitude into finite reality is through the Midah of Malchus. There's no disagreement about that. Whether a person feels tzimtzum is literal or tzimtzum is non-literal, everybody agrees that the only interface that human beings have with godliness is the Midah of Malchus, is the Midah of of recognizing that we have nothing of our own. And that's where tefillah emerges from, because that's where we embrace our particular chisaron, our particular sense of lack. But there is a certain transfiguration. There is a certain reversal that takes place at the Midah of Malchus as well. We say every Friday night, in the words of Rav Shlomo Alkabetz, from the beginning, from the, origina- from the origination of things, it had been prepared. The end of action is rooted in the beginning of thought. That the end result, the final manifestation, is in truth rooted or sourced in the highest point of the order of hishtalshlus, or expression within this world. And the Sefer Yetzirah says this explicitly, that When discussing the Ten Spheros, there's an abiding recognition that the end is embedded in the beginning, and the beginning is embedded in the end. Which means to say that the typical hierarchical patterns of thought which we typically abide by, which is that beginningness of things or the heights of things represent some idealized form, and the lower it manifests means that it's losing its grandeur and losing its power. In truth, it's the lowest level which has the capacity of disclosing the truth of the highest level. That in spite of Malchus's destitution, or not in spite of Malchus's destitution, but specifically because of Malchus's destitution, because of Malchus's capacity to be translucent, because of Malchus's capacity to not try and assert itself, it becomes the aspaklaria hamira. It becomes the lens through which God, so to speak, can disclose the truth of His essence. That it's specifically at the lowest point of things, at the point where it's most destitute, at the point where a person comes closest to losing hope, at the point where a person abides within their own particular chisaron and their own recognition that our entire existence is prayer. It's specifically there where the ratzon ha'elyon, where that ayin, that nothingness of divine infinitude as the capacity of manifesting within the realms of otherness, separateness, and all of the vicissitudes and darkness that comes with the concept of dira b'tachtoinim, of God desiring, so to speak, a dwelling place within the nether regions of existence, within the hither side, within the difficulties of being human, within the intensity of being alive. That it's specifically in this anoichius, in the sense of being separate and apart from God, manifesting within reality that no longer sees the hand of God, so to speak, which no longer sees that intense spiritual form of the upper nine spheros, it's specifically here where a person has the capacity to say, Ani hagever, I am the individual, as if our existence was self-sustained and separate and apart from infinitude. It's specifically here where we have the capacity to transfigure the letters of Ani, to take the letters of the ego, of self-sufficiency, of separateness, of a separate identity, of ani, alif nun yud, of i of my own subjectivity, which 
deeply senses being separate and apart from the objectivity of God, it's specifically here at this point of destitution that I can take those letters and shift them and play around with them to create the word ayin, aleph yud nun, of nothingness. That keser, that the highest, loftiest plane of desire, that first sphere which we opened up with, which represents the undying desire of each and every individual to disclose the plan of God within this world and to abide within the pleasure that emerges from within being aligned with that plan is only truly disclosed. Those letters of ayin, those letters of nothingness, that point of infinitude where my words fail, where I can no longer convey in any positivistic terms what something is and is not, where all opposites coalesce in themselves, of lace, of lace piruda bahay atika, that there is no separation in the place of atik in the place of the of keser, that koyach is specifically manifested within ani, within the ainus of malchus. That malchus, in spite of the fact that it is the lowest rung on the ladder of expression, it is the point of nothingness, the point of destitution, the point of prayer. It is specifically there that HaKadosh Baruch Hu chooses to disclose his infinitude. That Evan ma'asu habonim haisala roshpina. That David HaMelech, who is representative of Malchus, this destitute king who in truth contains the infinitude within himself, it's specifically David HaMelech who's able to say, Evan ma'asu habonim haisala roshpina. That the stone that was despised by the builders, this lowest rung of the ladder, this Malchus, which is this negation, this descent from infinitude and interiority into finitude and exteriority is in truth that point of the interface where HaKadosh Baruch Hu can truly manifest himself in the world. That it's specifically the lowest rung, which is in truth the highest rung. That it's specifically in the lower realms of being that we're meant to convey the glory of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That only when the individual, when they come to terms with their own subjective destitution, when they come to terms with their own limitation, when they come to terms with the realization that I can't do anything but pray, because prayer is predicated on the self-recognition of lack, and that I am powerless, and that there is nothing I can do to help myself at this moment, and that all I can do is be a receptacle for the influx of light that comes into the world, it's specifically there in that self-nullification of the I, of the ego, in its subjective destitution, that we have the capacity of recognizing that in truth our own experiences are nothing but the new iteration that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is disclosing into the world. That I am not separate from God. That my ego is in truth a vehicle that seeks to convey the light of God within reality. And it's specifically in that Lesle Megar Meklum, at that point where I have nothing of my own, that I am capable of embracing the realization that I am nothing but an expression of divinity within the world, that the entirety of my life's experience has been nothing but the disclosure of godly wisdom, of godly desire within the world, that this is the Shekhinah, that Klai Yisrael, that humanity, that the world itself, in its combination, in its unity, represents the Shekhinah, represents that aspect of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that seems to be removed from clarity, removed from unity. And that in specifically in that makom of ani, in that makom of I, of egoism, of separateness, 
I have the capacity of disclosing the ayin, the nothingness of godliness, nothingness, capital N, that ayin, that infinitude, which constantly reminds me that whatever I'm trying to say about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, whatever I'm trying to say about human experience is only speculation, is only a hava amina. That's that makom of tefillah. That's that makom that Chazal referred to as chaye sha'a, of living in the moment. If Torah and the previous nine spheros, from Keser down to Yesod, are chaye oilam, that belief that I will be infinite, that belief that what I convey into the world will remain forever, that belief that I as a subject am unique and I have a capacity of disclosing something unique in the world, Malchus is the recognition of chaye sha'a. Malchus is the recognition that I am nothing but the moment that I am in, that what I have in front of me is all that there is, and whether or not this moment leads to an imprint or a footprint on reality is meaningless to me because I am in this moment. This midah of Malchus creates a difficulty for us in our lived experience because as we emerge out of ourselves into the world, what we confront or what we are confronted by is doubts and lack and the inability to identify or determine which way we are supposed to turn. And that's specifically on purpose because shechinta begalusa, the shechina is in galus, the shechina is exiled. Our concept of God is exiled. Our ability to find God in the everydayness of our own lives is very often in exile. And we have to seek out and we have to dig and we have to find circuitous routes that sad minha, that shvil minhat sad, that path on the side that Rabbi Nachman writes about. Each of us have to find our own strange ways of disclosing godliness within the world. Our own chilek and Torah, our own Torah shaval peh, that malchus is associated with speech, my ability to convey things into the world, my ability to express things within the world. It's specifically here in this lower realm of being that I confront all sorts of doubt. The Starim point out that Malchus is the question of ulai, of perhaps. Nothing is certain. Nothing is abundantly clear, which is why specifically in Malchus, we embrace the Midah of Emunah. The Emunascha Balelos. My faith is specifically at nighttime. It's specifically as we descend into the otherness of ourselves. It's specifically when we emerge out of the interiority of ourselves that we now have the ability to believe in things which are not present. That our job is to believe in God specifically in a place that tells us that God does not exist here. It's our purpose to find God within darkness. Finding God, finding Kedusha, finding unity within unity is not a chiddush. Finding infinitude in the realms of infinitude is meaningless. But what Hashem wanted, that Hashem wanted to disclose his malchus, wanted receptacles for his malchus, people who would be capable of accepting and recognizing the presence of unity in spite of everything that speaks against unity. That malchus is that space of suffake, it's that space of doubt, it's that space of not knowing. And specifically in that doubt and in that not knowing, we have the capacity of disclosing the emuna, the faith, which is a willingness to choose to find God, not a compulsion to accept God, which is based on the previous nine spheros, but a willingness to accept God in spite of all of the reasons that we have to deny it. And it's specifically in Malchus, in that lowest sphera, 
that we have the capacity to disclose the highest level of godliness, which is the sveikos, the racial glow, isyada. Those sveikos, which are associated with keser, those doubts, those primordial doubts, which tell us that we can never truly grasp anything about unity in its essence, find a way to convey themselves in the human everyday doubts that we experience in our day-to-day lives, forcing us to choose to have faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's specifically there that we have the ability of crowning HaKadosh Baruch Hu specifically in the place that he wants to be crowned, specifically in that place which yells and screams against the existence of God, in that place of Olam Kimen Hagonoheg, in that place where the world appears to abide according to its own rules, that artsiut, that land, that groundedness, that mundanity that Malchus represents. To end, I want to utilize a teaching that is expressed throughout the writings of Ishbitz and Radzin. And in truth, the transition between this series of Shiram on the Ten Sviros and the next series of Shiram on the intensity of being human, which is going to be a descent into the teachings of Ishbitz and Radzin, is a very smooth transition. Because unlike other Hasidism, unlike other paths in Avodah Hashem, the path of Ishbitz and the path of Radzin is a path that is deeply associated with the Midah of Malchus. It's a path that's associated with the Tcheles, with the Tachles, with the Kise HaKavod, with kingship and royalty, which is also the final resting place of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's disclosure in this world. And Ishbitz and Radzin speak within a world that is, on the one hand, devoid of godliness, devoid of any light, and yet, on the other hand, it's entirely saturated with light. And it's specifically at this midah of Malchus that the human being is going to encounter the difficulty of what it means to be bocher, the difficulty of what it means to be a human being who has emerged out of themselves, emerged out of their keser, chachma, bina, chesed, das, chesed, gur, tferes, netzach, and finally manifested in their own particular Malchus. It's specifically here that the teachings of Ishbitz and Radzin are going to speak so poignantly. And the Zayar HaKadosh and Parsash Mishpatim, this is a teaching from Ishbitz and Radzin, speak very often in the Sabbath de Mishpatim of Malchus as Leisla Einen, that Malchus is blind. Malchus has no eyes. Malchus can't discern between good and bad. Malchus is the abiding presence of reality in its reality, devoid of any idealism, devoid of any spirituality. And it's our job, according to the tzaddikim of Ishbitz and Radzin, to bring eyes into Malchus, to bring vision into Malchus, to allow the Ene HaSecha, to allow the mind of Amuna, to look at a world that on the one hand appears to be devoid of any rulership, of any grandeur, of any purpose and any meaning, and to impart our own meaning on it and to choose to make our own existence, our own malchus, our own playing field. Be'ezrus Hashem, next week we're going to start with the series of Shirim on Ishbitz and Radzin, the intensity of being human, which is going to be an introduction into the thought of Ishbitz and Radzin. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.